Ladies and gents, this is the moment you've been waiting for, a podcast for podcasters. This is Creating the Greatest Show, and I'm your host, Casey Cheshire. Join me as we interview podcast hosts and investigate the ingredients of a successful interview podcast. We'll talk mistakes, earned skills, powerful questions, and more. This show is sponsored by Ringmaster, completely done for you, B2B podcast production. I'm so excited. Uh, it's like when you know you're about to learn so many things and have some great conversations, there's a buzz in the room. My guest today, I can't wait to introduce you to him. He is a researcher, a writer, a podcaster, of course, really on a mission to help people, leaders, organizations transform themselves and build really good, elite, and diverse teams. Can't wait to talk to him. Bit of a nerd like myself. We're going to talk podcasting. And he has many shows that he's been a part of. He's the co-founder and co-host of Cascading Leadership, the podcast. Also, Talent Strategy 60, a LinkedIn live show. We should totally talk about LinkedIn today. And Talent Strategy Transformation Evangelist. Love that title at Circa. Dr. Jim Kenny Trial. Welcome, sir. Thanks for having me, Casey. Uh you know, it's it's interesting. Whenever somebody does that whole intro bit, I kind of get the cringes because I sound like uh, I'm full of myself. So it's <laughs> it's weird. It's weird hearing that stuff played back to you because I'm like, oh, I got to I got to change it to just ordinary guy that runs his mouth. I think that's actually the better, better summary <laughs> title. <laughs> guy that won't stop talking about stuff that he cares about. Yeah. Dot, dot, dot. You know, it's funny, you know, and, and I will say, let's talk about this too, um, right before we get into it, because uh, I wrote that about you. And so, so people listening know you didn't say like, Casey, make sure you, you know, sing these high praises about me. Uh, so those are things that I found about you. And, and I actually like doing an intro with the person there because I don't know, I think sometimes we don't get enough praise and it's good to hear how much of a badass you actually are, you know, once in your life every now and then. Uh, and so I actually like doing that live, but I know some podcasts do it, you know, cold, do it you know, offline. I'll talk about the guests. You don't actually hear it. We just start by saying, Hey buddy, what's up? What's your yeah, take on that? You know, it's, it's interesting. Um, I think when it comes to my style, when I have guests, um, at the front end of a show, I have the guests talk about what they want to talk about and how they want to brand themselves. Um, it's really, it, it, and, and, and it's probably out of, it's probably my own thing where I, um, I cringe when other people say stuff about me good or well, I mean, especially if it's like kind of braggadocious. Yeah. Um, so I'd rather in, in from an interview style perspective, I, I usually have the guests kind of talk about what they want to talk about. And then obviously if, if they're selling themselves short, I know their background. So I'm going to be like, all right, you're, you're, you're playing total like underdog here. Let me, let me tell you about the stuff that you've done. And I lay into yeah. that sort of stuff so that it, uh, it actually um, gives them the appropriate emphasis. Yeah. It's interesting, right? So, you know, the, us personally as as podcasters, there's this there's almost a, like an inherent humility, right? As a podcaster, because the show is about your guest and it isn't really about you. And that's why I like it, because I can 
I, I throw it at you. And it's funny that, that, that you have that same reaction that I would have if I was the guest. Yeah, it's, uh, you know, Jen Allen, who uh, runs the uh, uh, Challenger podcast, she had a, a, a post recently about some of the things that she learned in her first year of podcasting. And one of the things that she mentioned that other podcasters need to think about is if the goal for you launching a podcast is to make it about you, don't launch a podcast. Your podcast is going to be successful by and large because of two factors. One, whatever you want to talk about is interesting to you and you can talk about it at length, but two, and this is most more important, it's going to have legs because of the quality of guests that you bring on to talk about the things that are interesting to you. So you have to operate with sort of a learner's mentality. Yeah. And I, I don't know if it's necessarily coming from a place of humility because I'm, I'm not particularly humble. Um, but I hate, you know, when people say stuff about me, about things that I've done or whatever, uh, accomplishments and whatnot, it's, it's just kind of weird. And I think that's, that's a combination of the Gen X factor and the immigrant factor. We've been conditioned to keep our head down and, and mouth shut. Um, so that's probably more related to that than, uh, than, than any ingrained humility part of it. But Jen's comments about how do you generate or how do you create a successful podcast? It's not about you. It's about the guests and it's about the topic that uh, you, from the mission and vision of the show, that's why you launched. The why behind your show has to inform your interest and also how you spotlight your guests. And already getting into it. We haven't even got to the first question. This is amazing. And by the way, shout out to Jen Allen, absolute badass. Had a chance to talk to her on the marketing show. And I'm just like, in awe as I'm talking to her, like <laughs> lucky challenger got her and not the submarine guys or, or one of the other systems. I mean, she's absolutely amazing. Yeah. I mean, it's uh, I binge that show and, and, and I just consume information. So podcasts are great for anybody that is just yeah. full out nerd and on all the time. I binge that show in, in two weeks and she and I are connected on LinkedIn and we chat back and forth about different things. Um, but it's, uh, it, the, the show's results speak for its, for themselves. And I think the interesting thing about that show is that when you think about the sales function, uh, in the broader world of work, it's basically a function that's under-resourced and you basically excel as a seller based on your own effort and resources and ingenuity. So it doesn't surprise me that a podcast with one of the best known methodologies from a sales process perspective has the legs that it has because most organizations don't invest in developing their sales process, their sales methodology, anything from an execution perspective. When you look at sales effectiveness, most organizations are, you know, always talking about the metrics. And, you know, personally, I think talking about metrics from a sales perspective is just dumb. Uh, don't confuse activity with achievement. Yeah. Uh, and that's what you actually do if you're just constantly focusing on the metric side of it instead of the actual execution and results side of it. So it's not surprising for any number of reasons why challenge that, that challenger sale podcast is just phenomenal. Yeah. 
Yeah. And, and she is generous. I, I guess you're to your point, not necessarily the humility, maybe it's generosity, or maybe it's some, some, you know, conditioning that you know, culture isn't, has, has sent upon us that maybe it shouldn't. Right. But, but to Jen's point, she is just, you know, she's very giving of attention and time. So yeah, like a good host. I mean, I think, uh, I, I think when you think about it in terms of core principles, and and this is kind of off topic, but if you're if you're thinking about what wires the most successful people um, in in the world, um, you know they're, they're they're driven by curiosity. Jen has that. They're authentic, so authenticity, kindness, and energy, and then generosity is a component of all of that stuff. It it, it informs how you move about in the world. Um, so it you know your your point about the gener- generosity mindset makes a lot of sense in the context of Jen in particular, but you know podcasters in general, podcasters. or at least you know people it, 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 podcasters in general, and anybody that that leverages whatever platform that they can or that they have to get a point of view across. Yeah, amazing, and that, my friends, was the pre-show. <laughs> so. so Jim, let me ask you the question where we start all of our shows and we're all, all, we're already at a sprint, pull back the curtain for us on your shows and share your most important strategy for a great interview podcast. So, I mean, there's, there's a lot of ground to cover there. Uh, I think if we're, if we're drilling that down into fundamental principles, you have to operate and I'm going to constantly reference back to Jen with, uh, with something that she said which is your guests are the star of the show. So if you move forward with your podcast, you know, tie yourself to the why behind your podcast. And then when you're looking at bringing guests on, you need to be focused on the story they want to tell, not the story that you want to tell. And I do this all the time when I reach out to, to, to potential guests and try to book them on the show. And they'll often ask me, well, what's the topic? And I'll give them a broad ass umbrella, you know, mm-hmm. generally our, 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 uh, you know, the cascading leadership podcast is about helping people move their careers further, faster. That's a lot of runway there. And, you know, I say there's a number of different ways that we can, we can tell this story, but I'm interested in finding out what your story is, because that's going to inform what we talk about. And you know, when you when you look at the execution of that from an end-to-end perspective, all of my outreach when I'm booking a show is focused on what's the story that you want to tell. Like yeah. I, you know, there there's some things that I want to talk about, but you know, my stuff is not really interesting. Um, <laughs> you know, it's a, a you know how how many different talent strategy nerd conversations can you have? You can only do that a couple times. I don't so know. <laughs> I think you can. I. It, it, you know, I, I I'll pepper that in here or there when I hear something from a guest, sure. but you know, it starts from the beginning. So if you want a framework for a successful interview show, um, focus on the story that the guest wants to tell, and then live that through the entire entire process. Um, you know, for a couple of uh, uh, a couple of things that I learned pretty early on is that the more structure you put around the conversation, the less authentic that conversation becomes. So you want to have like big signposts. Uh, Think of it in terms of if you're in New York and you want to get to California, 
you're looking for different states. You know, how far am I from this state? How far am I from this other state? How far am I from this other state? You're not looking at the mile markers. You're going state to state because it gives you a broad runway to play in. And you might, you know, be driving through Kansas and there's a giant ball of yarn that you see the sign for on the street. And if you're so regimented that you have everything mapped out by the mile, it's going to make for a crappy trip because there are opportunistic areas that you want to explore that you won't because you're so rigid in what you want to talk about. And when you're that rigid in how you script out a show, you really don't spotlight your guests um, because guests are always saying something that's interesting that you're going to want to go on a rabbit trail within reason, within time constraints to, to talk about. And if you don't leverage that opportunity, it's, it's kind of a waste of a guest um, yeah. because people are, people are like infinitely interesting. So why would you pen yourself in to this little box that uh, the, to get you from point A to point B it's, it's about the journey. It's not about like the, uh, uh, the, 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 the just end result that you're trying to get to. So, so, I mean, this is, it's amazing. The reflection of life in podcasting, because even, you know, when I'm mountain climbing or something, if you make it about the summit, you're there for only 15 minutes, an hour or less, but you spend hours a day getting there. And if you make it about that one little 15 minute, you can be disappointed, right? But if it's all about the process getting there or the journey, like you're saying with the guest, then the whole thing's enjoyable. Even the prep calls, even the the, the research you do beforehand. It's uh, it's interesting that you mentioned that because um, when when I think about this is me putting myself in a therapy chair. When yeah. I think about the things cool that, yeah, I, I guess if you're into that, uh, no <laughs> knock on anybody that, uh, that, 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 that 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 does it. So don't take it that way. But it, it, it's interesting. One of the things that I always struggle with, and this is part of my wiring is that it's always about the next goal. You know, if I accomplish X thing, okay, I did that. What's the next thing. And what effective interviewing and effective podcasting uh, interviews disciplines me on is it's not about the outcome that you're trying to get to. And there's a great book about this called chop wood, carry water. It's falling in love with the process of becoming elite. Um, it's, if you haven't read it, you should definitely get it, but you know, it, it, it's like you mentioned, it's a, it's, it's a lesson about the broader world. We are conditioned from birth to talk about achieve this thing, achieve that thing, achieve this thing. I mean, you could certainly achieve all of those things, but does that mean that you actually have achieved mastery in the steps re required to get there? Because it's not about achieving the thing. It's about achieving mastery in the elements that go from, point, from one step to another. So again, when you talk about being in the moment, active listening, uh, working through the process, uh, really paying attention to the journey, that's where the focus should be. If you're just doing it to get the episode done or get the conversation done, you're completely wasting everybody's time, including your own. Because yes. you're missing out on some phenomenal learning opportunities uh, because you're too focused on the end result versus, you know, the actual process and the discovery that happens. Uh, there's so much application that this teaches you and that you can apply in, in anything that you do personally or professionally. 
Yeah. It's like, it's like have some rules, but be able to break them. Right. Um, almost always we talk about ask that first question, get the audience that first question right away. But you know what? We had a fantastic topic about the intro and it, and it meant something and we explored something. So it's like, look, screw it. Just explore that. You know, if we had just cut that up, well, that's interesting, but let's go do this. Right. That sort of formulaic approach. Now you're almost get scripted. Talk to me about, you mentioned this word too, and it was almost like the emphasis was on everything after it framework mm-hmm. versus say scripting. Yeah. And I'm, I'm a big framework person and it ties back into something that you just mentioned. So I'm a big sci-fi nerd. So I have like all sorts of too. Uh, nonfiction books and fiction books. And, and, and I'm pointing to a couple of the books uh, that I have uh, from the Dune series. Yes. So highly recommended, but there's a, there's a line in the original Dune book and movie where um, Paul Atreides is uh, in a fight and it's the climactic fight with Fade uh, Harkonnen. Um, mm. And Fade has him in, uh, in, in pretty dire straits, a knife against his neck. And you hear his inner monologue, Paul's inner monologue. And the inner monologue is, I will bend like a reed in the wind. And when you apply that to structuring your end-to-end podcast process, um, th- that flexibility point that you mentioned, you have to bend like a reed in the wind because there's going to be something that comes up in the conversation. And if, if, you're do- if, if you're doing your job right, there should be several opportunities for you to freelance within a conversation. And that's where frameworks come in uh, as a better tool to have a more engaging podcast experience than, than scripting. Um, and, and frankly, from a scripting perspective, I, I just don't have the discipline or the attention to detail to just map out everything because it's going to be a huge time suck anyways. So you have to factor that in too, is how much time do you want to spend on pure orchestration? So the operation side of a podcast versus the execution side of a podcast. So such a interesting point about the time spent. I think I see this in myself and also guests. And when you try to perfect that soundbite, like we've maybe been conditioned for that perfection, the orchestration of the two minute of perfect monologue. If, if you can write that in advance, then I've done this where I've, I've written like almost like a Ted talk, right? I've written that speech out. It's prepped. Now I almost feel bad. I can't ad lib because I wrote it so well. Anything less than exactly what I wrote sounds not so good to me. So I get in this sort of, it's very, it's almost like driving on square wheels where I, I, it kind of freezes me up because I I want it to be perfect. And that, you know, chasing perfection can get in the way of relationship, get way of traveling down a journey and a path and a sidetrack or any of these other things. You know, it's, um, you know, one of the things that I say in, in a lot of different aspects of my life is don't let, uh, don't let the perfect be the enemy of the good. And, and I talk about this with my sales teams and I talk about it with, with clients. I talk about it all the time. And that's, that's a trap that you can fall into because it, it, it's, you know, it, it, it's the same trap that people fall into when they're looking to solve a problem and in their effort to solve the problem, they're researching the hell out of the problem, but never actually execute it. So you learn the most through execution and failure. Yeah. So if you spend all of your time in, you know, 
machining the process or machining the framework or machining whatever it is from a, from a theory perspective, you never get to the doing. And, you know, I, 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 I consider myself sort of lucky in that I can operate in theory uh, better than most. Um, but I love the execution and that's a great balance to have because I have enough operations to give myself runway, but I'm not, going to suffer from, you know, analysis paralysis. Like I, at, at some point, if I have a good enough idea, I need to roll dice and see what happens. This is, I mean, the podcast journey and the mm. LinkedIn live show journey is a perfect example. I, I basically spun up this podcast. I launched in February, uh, the cascading leadership podcast. I launched in February okay. doing probably a week and a half of research and then just putting stuff into place and going. And I had some great bits of advice here and there from people like Andy Paul, who said, hey, when you're looking at releasing your, your podcast, you want to make sure that you have several episodes banked because people are going to want to binge your show. I'd never heard that. Mm -hmm. um, so that delayed it a little bit. My, my thought process was, well, we just record and release and you know, Andy's advice way in the beginning, and he doesn't know me from anybody. I just actually like promote his book, Sell Without Selling Out, which is a great book. I would recommend anybody to get that. Nice. Um, he's got a great podcast too. Um, he doesn't know me from anybody, but he offered that advice and that informed kind of the go forward direction. But that was spun up in two weeks. The LinkedIn live show, my, uh, you know, I started thinking about, okay, what are the problems that I typically see that HR um, or talent strategy leaders have, and how can we leverage community intelligence to help them get through that? Because we know in economically uncertain times, HR as a function gets slashed from a resources perspective. So how can we actually feed information to them that in a practical way can help those practitioners mm -hmm. advance the initiatives that they have? That was spun up over a weekend. So if I was the type of person or if you're the type of person that that just gets mired in the details and the pursuit of perfection, you're going to have a hard time executing and delivering anything of value because it's never going to be good enough. And and frankly, no matter how good you get, you know, Andy has, you know, a thousand episodes or some ridiculous number like that on his show. And, you know, he's focused on let's just deliver the content and it doesn't have to be perfect. And I think that's a good, good enough is good enough. Yeah. You know, that's, that's really that, that all of that, that I just said, good and good enough, nine times out of 10 is good enough. Yeah. Good enough. I think that's, what's really opened the floodgates for podcasting is that in, you don't need all the, I mean, you can go crazy on microphones. You can go crazy on cameras. You can, you can knock yourself out. You can always take it to the next level, but in the end, good enough. Get started. Now, now I want to dive more into uh, LinkedIn Live. Any traps? Any 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 things that were happening? Any lessons learned from that? Any best practices around it? Uh, how is it like a podcast? Is it the same? Is it different? All those kind of things. So it's. I, I think one of the things. So it's it's a new show. So I don't know how much I've actually learned in context, but I sure. uh, I actually talk regularly to uh, uh, to Nick um, uh, Nick Thicket and 
and, and Morgan of the B2B power hour, they are the ones that actually gave me the cliff notes to launch the show. Cool. Um, so definitely check out their show. But what's interesting about the LinkedIn live format versus a podcast is that it's freaking live. So in a podcast, you have the luxury of let me think through my answer. Mm. And, you know, we can edit that out on the back end. Sure. And, you know, that, that, that creates some security uh, for a lot of people. Uh, I even do that on my own show where, hey, I'll introduce show notes and say, hey, quick show note. We're going to do X, Y, and Z. How do you feel about what we've covered so far? And we can, we can do that on the fly. Um, with LinkedIn Live, I think it's a little bit more restrictive because you don't have the luxury of going off on as many tangents as you'd like to in the course of a conversation. And for somebody like me, where I'll hear something, like every show that I do, I have like two pages of notes that I are follow-ups. And sure. LinkedIn Live as a, as, a, as a format is difficult to do that in. It's even more challenging in that format because like my LinkedIn live show is purely panel driven and I'm doing a combination. One of the things that I started thinking about with the cascading leadership show is that as I have guests, let me break them down thematically and then have a capstone um, podcast recording. Right. That became like hurting cats. So I was like, okay, really? well, yeah, it, cause it was, it was tough to coordinate all of those schedules um, so the plus on LinkedIn is that if you're looking at doing a panel conversation or panel format conversation, it's easier to coordinate for some reason than it would be on a podcast. The, 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 the gap on the LinkedIn live component is that you don't have as much room to freelance and ours is a 60 minute show. So it's a 60 minute substantive conversation. Like this Friday we have, uh, I don't know when this is going to air, but, uh, the, the, the most recent or the, the upcoming show that we have is Equity for Women in Business, The Road to Achieving Parity. So it's, cool. uh, it's on a topic of gender equity from a pay perspective and promotion perspective. And we have a panel discussion on that. So it's, it's tightly structured on a topic. And then the panelists are, are able to give practical advice of how they did it. Um, but it has some restrictions. So if, if your guess, um, you have to pick guests differently for a live format than you do for a podcast. Podcasts are a lot more forgiving because if you have guests that tend to be um, more skewed toward the extroversion or 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 methodical communication style uh, perspective, yeah, podcasting allows you to build that in. That guest may not be as effective on a live show because they're gonna they're gonna be you know, deliberate in their communication style and the pacing for a live show, it's, uh, it's, it's almost like you have to jab and counterpunch all the time and you can't, you can't like tee up power shots, um, on a live show just because you don't have the bandwidth, uh, to, uh, to run that through. Tell me about that. You can't tee up power shots. What, what does that mean? So let's, let's, let's play this out. Yeah. So you just asked me that question. If we're doing that live, and if I'm the type of person that isn't, you know, rapid fire in my responses, you're going to need time to think and process that answer. Mm. Like 15 to 30 seconds of thinking time is an eternity in a live format. Oh, yeah. So when I when I'm saying like five seconds is an eternity in my brain. Um, but you know, 
those guests who need time to think about an answer, which is a great way to go through life. Um, it's not going to play well on a LinkedIn live format. Now I've kind of offset that deliberately by having those things in a panel format. So now if somebody, if we, we do the orchestration in the back end where we'll have sort of the frameworks displayed and who's talking about the topic and then who will be up next. So it's teed up that way to make it easier. Mm -hmm. But, you know, thankfully all of our guests have been able to navigate that. But I think if, if you were talking about, you know, what's, there's more orchestration on the LinkedIn live stuff uh, necessary than the podcast stuff, because you don't have the room uh, for, uh, for error uh, in a live show that you would on a podcast. Yeah. You know, and, and I have heard uh, a, a sneaky rumor that not all LinkedIn lives are live. Apparently yeah. you can record it and then make people think it's live. Because <laughs> I once so, texted a friend, I'm like, dude, I love you. You're on this thing. He's like, yeah, I recorded that last week. So it's uh, that actually gives some flexibility. So one of the things that I've done from the LinkedIn live show for Talent Strategy 60 is our shows air, uh, well, our main show, Talent Strategy 60, from a people and process perspective, airs on Friday. Okay. We're, we're actually launching another episode, which is focused on uh, innovators and disruptors in the HR tech space, hmm. still under the talent strategy umbrella, but that's going to air live on Wednesdays. But it gives you so much room, especially if you use StreamYard. Um, shout out StreamYard. Um, out. <laughs> if you use StreamYard, you can actually stream it across multiple channels, which is great. Um, but it allows you to do a light edit on the back end after the episode is done and then you can restream it uh which is also another streaming product that i don't use but anyway shout out restream um yeah. but you can restream it as a pre-recorded episode and what i typically do or i try to do is i'll rerun the live episode with some light ed edits on saturday sunday and monday if it's a friday show so that yeah. it gets multiple audiences throughout and you just have to be disciplined about staying active in the chat. So sometimes that th there becomes a time constraint, but that's, that's another way when you're thinking about from a marketer's perspective, I'm not a marketer, I'm a sales guy. I pretend to know mm -hmm. marketing on LinkedIn, um, but it gives me <laughs> another channel. It gives me another channel to repurpose content. So I can right. take my content that I've done on my live show and rebroadcast it with light edits. I can take my podcast content that my podcast, uh, it, you know, obviously there's the audio component, but I, uh, I post it to YouTube. I take snippets and post it to TikTok. I got to figure out um, YouTube shorts. I think that's what it's called. Mm, shorts, um, yeah. Yeah, and, uh, yeah. And, and figure out um, that piece of it. But you know, if you, you have that one piece of content that you can repurpose, I can take my podcast episodes, which are video on Zoom like we're doing right now, and broadcast that as a live episode to get a different audience that wouldn't be captured on my downloads on the uh, through the podcast channel. Different so if audience, you're not yeah. leveraging that sort of stuff, um, and I've gotten away from it just because of some bandwidth issues, but, you know, it, 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 these are all different ways that you can repurpose channels to grab multiple audiences. And if you're a new show, if you're a new podcast and you have a fairly robust LinkedIn presence, why wouldn't you take advantage of broadcasting your show 
your podcast to your main audience on LinkedIn. Like that's where my biggest network is. And I'm organically growing YouTube and TikTok and all that sort of stuff. But my biggest network is on LinkedIn. So if I'm not leveraging my podcast and exposing my LinkedIn network to it, it's a, it's a missed opportunity in driving conversations at scale. True. True. I, I could definitely see that. I just, I wonder about having something that's not live and calling it live, you know, something just, no, no, no. I like, I like being able to, you know, say like, woo woo, you know, like ask a dumb question and then like, oh, Casey, well, you know, like that real interaction with the, with the audience. Yeah. And, and, and I think, uh, and, and that's that's fair. I don't get too hung up on it um, because yeah. I always say, you know, hey, the live shows are on this date and then it'll be rebroadcast. So we, when you're when you're um, so I'm, I'm pretty transparent on that front. And I think okay. uh, yeah, I think fair. Nick, I think Nick and Morgan, when they were out in Boston a few weeks ago and they were doing the B&B B2B power hour, um, they were active in the chat, but it was a pre-recorded conversation. So, you know, I think, I think that's manageable too. It just depends on, you know, I mean, it's content is content. If you got good stuff, I don't really care how you deliver it. That's just my opinion. Love it. Love it. And the panel format, it was one of my big takeaways from what you were sharing here, the panel format, helping with some guests who aren't so good at thinking on their feet so that your guest doesn't have to just be the kind of person who can pull bullshit out of thin air, but the considered thoughtful approach, you know, a panel can really help with that or a prep call or, or a framework like you're describing can really help that person prep their thoughts before you get in front of them. So, you know, it's, it's, I'm glad that you mentioned the prep call. So unless I'm dealing with like a known commodity, like Andy Paul, I have to release his episode. Stu Heineck, I have to. I've released yeah. uh, his episode before. Unless I'm dealing with a known commodity, somebody who's like done this stuff before, and I've seen their work. Yeah, I always do a prep call, and you know, I've had I've had people reach out uh, that I've reached out to you and said, "Hey, do we need to do this?" And I'm like, "Well, I haven't seen you do any sort of content <laughs> in this in in any format. Like, yeah. if you had a YouTube presence." you know, I could, I could bypass it, but part of it is to build the relationship because you have to have, um, you have to have a chemistry with your guest. And if you've never talked to them in sort of a, a live way, and, and I would say video is the best way. If you, if you haven't met them in person, right. Video is the best way there, there's stuff that's missed from a phone conversation. You're putting yourself at risk of having yeah. like a terrible guest experience and uh, that's the most important thing. You want to make sure your guest has a great experience and they're spotlighted in the right way. That's number one. That's the most important thing. And that's the thing that you shouldn't compromise on. But secondarily, once it gets done produ- getting, getting produced, you don't want to spend an hour with somebody and then edit it down to like 20 minutes. That's going to suck. Yeah. Um, so don't do yourself a disservice by skipping the prep call if you've had no interaction with this person beyond LinkedIn messages or emails, you're, you're, you're creating a massive br- negative brand implication because that, re- you know what, if, if the guest doesn't show well, that's on you. Yeah. That's if not they, on the guest. Unprepared. That's on you. Yeah. yeah. So I, you know, I've had, I, I've re- I, I reach out to CEOs all the time 
And I've had CEOs say, well, my schedule is really busy. Do we have to do a prep call? I'm like, GDR. <laughs> so that's bleep, bleep, right? We have to do a prep call. <laughs> um, I don't know what kind of show you have, but I was about to turn into full well, sailor we've mode. We've definitely told YouTube it's not for kids. So oh, my kids okay. won't be watching it on YouTube kids. So when I get asked <laughs> the question, when I get asked the question, do we have to do a prep call? My response is goddamn right. We have to do a prep right. call. You're not, you're not, you're not Josh Braun. You're not Jen Allen. You're not Andy Paul. You're not Stu Heineck. I don't know who you are. You, you have a really interesting profile. And I want to learn more about you and build that relationship so that I can, I can spotlight you the right way. Because mm. there's no way I'm going to do that blind. And maybe, maybe that's, that's my, my, my sales conditioning mm. getting to me. I would never do a sales call without doing some sort of research on the company and the prospect. And there's no way that I'm going to broadcast, you know, my name behind, you know, some production where the guest is completely like floundering. That's on me. Right. If right. I make you look bad, that's terrible. Yeah. Um, so I, I, I'm just not willing to compromise on that thing unless you're like a pro, like Jeb Blunt does this stuff all the time. Right. You know, Josh Braun does this stuff all the time. I can, you can roll dice with that because they've established a brand behind that stuff. But if you're, you know, CEO of XYZ company or VP of XYZ company, and I've never had a substantive conversation to find out what you're interested in and what you want to talk about, that's going to make for an awful show. Yeah. You know, and I've, and I've had the author's and some people that maybe are busy or think that they're busy uh, push back more or less on prep calls. And, and, and if it's more transactional in their mind, I can understand, look, I've got my, I'm going to, I'm going to give you the same exact presentation. I gave the other nine podcasts. So let me just come on here and we'll do this transaction. And, and then I'm just sort of babysitting like we're on CNN. That's not my preferred style. So I always prefer the prep call, but I think the thing that people don't get from exactly what you brought up is that either way, you're going to be having to do some rapport building and it's yeah. either going to happen offline in the safety and comfort for both of you, or it's going to happen awkwardly in front of everyone. And yep. it, even when people look at like a Joe Rogan, it's like, he, he didn't just hit go. He didn't do a prep call, but they were walking around the place. He's probably offering them a beer. You want some whiskey. And then the first 30 minutes are sometimes kind of flat because they're just... Yep trying to get a buzz on so that we can get comfortable with each other to actually get into it. So it's like, you're going to spend that time one way or the other. It'd be a little bit better for both of you if maybe you spent that offline. So it's uh it's interesting. You mentioned Rogan's show. Um, and, and I haven't, I haven't listened to too many episodes, but he has a much longer than average format show. Yeah. Three hours. Yeah. So like both my shows are the recording sessions are 60 minutes. Um, right. and you can't build rapport on the fly in a 60 minute show. It's going to sound no. like crap. Yeah. And the shorter your show is, the more critical that pre-production motion Great point. Uh, becomes because like I, I recently did uh, a recording, um, for, uh, for Polish, uh, for Adriana Wardzala. So she is based out of Poland and she's, uh, she does some YouTube work uh, in the area of sales enablement and sales training. Hmm. And we had a 15 minute show. We had a 45 minute prep. And I think that's absolutely the right approach because how do you get the right punches in, in a 15 minute time limit 
and have it be effective. So if you have a short format show, that becomes, unless you're doing a solo show, and I'm not a solo show person, or I rarely do solo episodes, unless you're doing a solo show, the shorter your episode, the more prep work that needs to go into it from an orchestration perspective so you can keep it on brand. Um, so it becomes trickier the shorter your show is. And, and again, you have to, you have to think like Joe Rogan represents what 0.001% of the podcast audience. It's like the best of the best of the best. (laughs) Most of us are nowhere near that same universe. Right. Right. So don't, don't go into it thinking that you can do what that, uh, what he does because your listeners don't know who you are. So you need to be tight on 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 the mechanics and the pre- preparation. Don't over prepare, but you need to be tight on that stuff so you're creating a good listening experience, listener experience. Love that. That's one of the most counterintuitive, best first principles of podcast preps I've ever heard. Is that the shorter it is, actually the more important it is. Which will sound weird to people, where it's like, what? Be on a podcast for five minutes. I'm going to spend more time doing the prep, and that makes absolutely no sense. And until you think about it, in which case it makes total sense. So with that, I love the transition. Go to the dark side for a second. What is your biggest challenge on podcasting? On, um, wow, that's a good question. You know, I, I I think I think from the execution side, I don't really have a ton of challenges on the on the guest interviews and booking right. side. Some of it is actually, and this is a weakness on me because I, I'm, I'm, I'm good enough on operations to be dangerous, but I'm not yeah. an operations guy. Right. So it's, it's handling all of the mechanics um, from the post episode stuff. So when we're looking at, I mean, both my shows are bootstrapped. So right. it's just basically me and uh, my co-host doing the grunt work in terms of post-production Um, but the orchestration from a scheduling perspective, that's challenging, um, because I got like 15 jobs, you know, um, scheduling everybody, uh, making sure everybody's tight, but really, you know, honestly, like if anybody's considering launching a podcast, do not do it without getting Descript because that was a game changer in terms of my post-production delivery capabilities, because I looked at all sorts of other editing tools. Yeah. And if I had to like live in those things, I probably would have gotten like five episodes and said, screw it. Uh, I'm, I'm over, I think I'm probably at like 65 episodes at this point on the podcast. Jeez. And, um, and we launched in February wouldn't have happened without Descript, but there's still time involved where you have to do the editing process. So if you have the ability to offload that and have somebody else do it, uh, and edit and, and do the post-production, that would be where I would say, do it. And, yeah. you know, I, I think when you look at being able to offload that, if you're a new show, you're just going to have to bite the bullet and just get stuff out um, and, and, and then figure it out on the back end. Yeah. Makes sense. Final question for you, sir. Every so many episodes, things can change and shift and maybe take a relook at it. 50 episodes is roughly a year's worth of a weekly show. You've already surpassed that. We talk again in 50 episodes. What What is your show like? What's happening? What, what's your big picture vision for it? So it's interesting. That, that's, a, that's another really good question. So here's, here's what I learned. So originally when we first started 
the Cascading Leadership Show. The intent of the show was to spotlight the journeys of senior leaders who are women, immigrants, people of color who've risen to that level and basically share their secrets. So it's basically the, mm. the, the hero's journey format. Love that. And um, there's a, um, let me, uh, so I started, like I, I consume a bunch of stuff. Uh, information all over the place. Uh, like if I could be a comic book character, I'd be Brainiac because he just goes through the universe and just absorbs uh, cultural knowledge and uh, and retains it. So he's like a walking encyclopedia or, or, or all, um, uh, what is it? Time capsule. Yeah. Um, so where I was going with that, I originally, we originally launched Cascading Leadership under the hero f- story format of a podcast. And, you know, I followed Andy Paul. Susan Diaz was actually the one that uh, got this on my uh, radar. So you definitely want to follow her if you aren't already. Great marketer um, is actually uh, one of the best podcasts in in Canada. So definitely recommend, um, you know, checking her out. But one of the things that she mentioned in her newsletter was that after a period of time, the hero story format is going to run stale. So one of the things that I did, and this is the cardinal sin of marketing, is that, you know, as a person, I'm interested in a lot of different things and I can speak to a lot of different things. So why not have a show that has multiple pillars across broad topics that you can bring guests on and it will always be interesting. So rather than running a sales podcast or a marketing podcast, you know, there, there's five or six different areas that are pillars of our shows. There's DEI as a pillar of our show. There's leadership effectiveness as a pillar of our show. There's sales and marketing effectiveness as a, as a, as pillars of our show. There's non, not-for-profit spotlights that's a pillar of our show. And then there's topic elements like navigating trauma and loss um, and, and wellness. So there's, you know, if you have a big enough umbrella break down the elements of that umbrella into the spokes of that umbrella and find out what your spokes are and build show topics around that. Like right now, we're wrapping up a a women in technology series. We did a series of episodes on startup founders or women founders. We have sales and marketing effectiveness coming on. And that way, every month to two months, you have a different flavor of what you're interested in coming out. And here's where marketers are going to get irritated with that concept, because what's the advice marketers give you? If you're looking for an audience niche down, I'm taking the opposite approach. I'm Mm -hmm. saying, look, you want to have enough product diversification where your content is always fresh to a core audience, not not a micro audience, but a, a core audience that would be interested in. So I'm actually creating a category where my show fits in under a broader niche than the traditional understanding of what a niche uh, show should be like. Like there's a ton of sales shows. There's a ton of marketing shows. There's not really a show that integrates DEI, technology, uh, talent strategy, sales and marketing effectiveness. Like if I'm looking at my personal brand, that's where I intersect. So why wouldn't I build a show around it and speak to people that have interests across those areas? And the integration is the niche. Yeah. It's, yeah. It, it, you know, it, like, and, you know, 
it's 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 my take on it. Um, mm-hmm. I like I said, I I play a marketer on LinkedIn. I'm not a marketer, <laughs> but there are so many things that I find interesting about the world. Where do I constantly play? It's at the intersection of leadership, DEI, sales, marketing, and talent strategy. Right. So there's a lot of runway and a lot of interesting people you could talk about that you can talk to that have things to share on that. And again, how can you create conversations at scale? How can you spotlight your guests and you know present them in a way that 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 really highlights their expertise? You'll never run out of runway with uh, with you know, kind of like my, 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 my show vision. Right. And it allows you, like you've said before, to allow your guest to speak from the position of passion and expertise and, yeah. and talk to what they want to talk about. You're not forcing them into a particular pillar because they can probably tie into several of them. Yeah. I mean, a, a good example is that uh, I have uh, uh, one of the upcoming shows. Um, she's going to actually be be headlining the series. It's a women in sales series. Nice. I have Wesleyan Whitaker Greer, who is the host of the Sales Transformation Podcast, I think. I'm, I'm hoping I'm getting her podcast great, right? But Wesleyan, look her up on LinkedIn. Okay. Um, but one of the things that I, she's heavy into sales coaching and she's she's an african american woman who you know really had a phenomenal career in scientific sales so she's a mm. niche within a niche so she's yeah. she's a she's a woman in sales which is rare she's an african american woman in sales which is rare she's an african american woman in sales who used to be in scientific sales and rose to leadership so that's 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 even rarer yeah, so i have her arrow, yeah yeah so I have her coming on my show as part of that women in sales series, but then we are going to be doing or thinking about, we're working on putting her on a panel with some other guests talking about not only women in sales, but equity for African-American women in the world of business. How do you, how do you build parity around that? So mm-hmm. there's a lot of intersections that you can explore if you think about it the right way and, 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 and build that into your overall show vision, the, the why of the show. Man, so powerful. Uh, mark your calendar for 50 or less episodes from now. We'll get back on here. And, and I can't wait to, to see the pillars continuing to build this, this house. That excites me because I found that if I don't and sometimes I haven't devoted time to think about this. You can let that hero's journey get stale, like you're describing. And then if you lose interest, it's dangerous because then it, it, you're not as interested in the guest and they're not getting served and they're feeling that. And it's really bad. So there's like a responsibility as a host to make sure you're building something that will keep you interested. Well, it, it, it winds back to an early part of the conversation when you we were talking about, you know, what what's what's your key or secret to running yeah. a good interview. It's it's rooted in what's the story that you want to tell? What's this? This is you talking to your guests. Yeah. What is the story that you want to tell? And how does it align with your overall vision? And how can we make that work? If you operate from that space, you're never going to get bored or it's going to be a long time before you get bored. I, right. I totally hear you. If you, if you, if you're doing like, I, I love, um, seafood pasta, like Hell linguine yeah. de fruta de mar is my go. go-to go, go-to dish. I couldn't eat that every day. True. I, I could eat it every day for probably like a month and a half. Yeah. But if I had like, to do that for a again. year, <laughs> yeah. 
So it's the same principle. No matter how good one thing is, you can't mm-hmm. do that for the rest of your life. So build in ways to keep yourself engaged and you never get bored with it. And that, in my mind, gets back to more of a Joe Rogan experience, broad-based podcast versus that finite sales, SDR-specific, super niche show, because then to your point, you don't run out if you've got that, that broader approach, but you still have the benefit of focusing um, in, with themes and, and topics. You know, it's interesting. I had almost the same conversation or a similar conversation with one of the guests that uh, I'm putting on a panel for the LinkedIn Live show. And I reached out to him. He's the uh, chief revenue officer for a tech company. And uh, I have him and he's one of the co-founders. But when I initially reached out, I said, hey, I'd like to have you participate in the panel. I'm not sure if you're interested in it. And he asked me what the topic was. I was like, well, if I have it my way, I would do a conversation and a panel on sales and marketing alignment uh, as a way as a way to accelerate revenue attainment. That's what I'm interested in. That, that would be a great. great topic for a CRO to talk about. And he's like, oh, I've done that so many times. Uh, I don't, I don't, I, you know, it's kind of boring. I don't know if I want to do that. And then I asked him, well, what do you want to talk about? It's like, you know, I think one of the unique things about our organization, this is in talking, yeah, is that we've gone against the tech bro culture from a startup perspective and we've built values up front in how we build our organization so that created a conversation where wow. you know we're 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 having a completely different panel panel discussion and it's it's on the topic of if you're in the startup space, in the technology space, or even if you're accelerating growth in the technology space, the topic of the show is going to be values-led growth as a tech startup. So when you're looking wow. at the umbrella of talent strategy, how do you lead with values and how will a values-led motion drive growth in a tech conversation? That's a really interesting conversation. And we have three founders who are going to be talking about that. And that's, wow. that's, that's again, what does your guest want to talk about? Right, right. If you had forced him to talk about what, what you had, you know, your initial idea, he can talk about it, but you're going to get that. Eh, but I bet you he's going to be so, the whole panel is going to be on fire yeah. when they're talking about this topic because they give a shit. Yeah. And, yeah. and that's, uh, that's the, the, the basis. It, like, if I'm going to give any secret and I, I, you know, I don't know anything, the one thing that I would say that everybody needs to keep in mind is be be ridiculously obsessively focused on what does your guest want to talk about yeah you, it like you you start your podcast with that question and it'll never serve you wrong um now obviously if you if if your show is about marketing and your guest wants to talk about area 51 there's obviously like things that don't line up but tell the story your guest wants to tell yeah. not the story that you want to tell boom and then that's how you get that excitement. Man, this has been so much fun. Uh, before I let you go, before we start closing some things down, you mentioned sci-fi. I can't help it. I'm a nerd. Favorite sci-fi series or book? Well, if we're talking, uh, well, I actually, I'll combine those. So this yeah. is, again, intersect, intersecting yeah. the different things that you're, you're, you're interested in. So favorite sci-fi book series 
is the Dune series. And if you really want to invest some time, read it in chronological order. There's some new stuff that came out that I haven't had a chance to get to, but I'm like 15 books deep. So that, that can be problematic. Uh, I would, I would highly recommend that series. If you're talking about sci-fi series from a TV perspective, something that's pretty underrated is, um, uh, I think, oh, geez, I haven't seen this in a while. I think it's Babylon AD is a pretty underrated show. Um, and they had, I think five or six, uh, seasons of it. Uh, so that's underrated. And obviously like I'm, uh, if you're, if you're a Star Trek person, I'm going to, I'm going to give a controversial opinion. Oh, my, my favorite, not, not counting discovery, which I think is phenomenal. Um, my favorite Star Trek series before discovery was deep space nine. I think that is hugely underrated. And I think that's actually a better series than the next generation. So there is your fill of sci-fi nerddom. You're putting deep space nine above the next generation. I sure am fighting words. Those that's like a, we're going to have to step outside Casey. Yeah, man. (laughs) I don't, well, I mean, I grew up on TNG, so, but you're right. There was something cool about deep space nine. I mean, if you're going to build a space station, put it next to a wormhole, come on. So I think, uh, I think the, the, the thing that I liked about deep space nine and it one, it had a lead character that, you know, didn't look like me, but was Brown. Was Cisco? So, Who was that? Yeah. Cisco. Yeah. Um, so had a lead character and a cast that looked more like me than any of the other series. Um, okay. yeah, yeah. So that, that, that was important, but you know, it was, it was about a quadrant of the Star Trek universe that was unexplored. So when you went, when I think about how I'm wired, I've always been a startup guy. I've always been an accelerating growth guy. I've always been a turnaround guy. So undiscovered country, another star, great Star Trek yeah. movie. Um, it was about that setting uh, and exploring the unknown unknowns. And that's what made it great. Uh, and it wasn't an episodic series. It had an overarching story arc that mm-hmm. was being explored in the in the course of the conversation. So that's what uh, what made that one uh, stand out in the Star Trek series uh, in my mind. And that's why I ranked it higher than the next generation. Definitely broke the mold, right? It wasn't like, oh, no, we're going to the neutral zone. It was like, yeah, some random people coming out. Like, who are these? I don't even know who these people are. You know, and so yeah. probably gave the, the authors some more flexibility, the writers some more flexibility to just do wacky things, try things that maybe would have broke the mold on, you know, one of the traditional ones. And, and, and when you look at the antagonists in the original Next Generation series, you had the Borg, uh, you had, you know, the Romulans. But right. when you look at uh, Deep Space Nine, you had the Breen, the Dominion, uh, the entire arc with Odo's uh, shape-shifting. Yeah, the um, shape-shifting. What, yeah. What, I forgot what their, what their species is called. Um, but that whole arc was just so good. It, it like, uh, so anyways, nerding out. Sorry. Nerding <laughs> out. We'll put a disclaimer, put a little nerd icon disclaimer on it. But hey, I could talk about the stuff all day. For me, I think it's the Bobaverse. I don't know if you've read the Bobaverse series. And actually, I actually listened to it on Audible. I don't know if you're a audible guy, but uh, Ray Porter narrated that. And he's done some great sci-fi narration and his narration of the Bobaverse. It's a three-part trilogy and it's absolutely, I've I've listened to it like three times at least. And it's, it's hours of length. It just, I love the universe and I want to be spending time with the Bobs. So definitely one to check out. I'll need to check that out. I, uh, I wrote it down. Um, 
I'm not an audible guy, so I have to figure out how to get that uh, wrapped into my already, you know, 10 books deep backlog yeah. of, of stuff. I mean, you can read it. My wife actually just read the, the text, but there's something about there's different characters and they all have a different voice. Um, and it, it kind of gives it, gives you a chance to hear the voices. Hmm. Uh, that might give me an excuse to check out, uh, check out audible. I'm not get really that free a... trial going on. Yeah, maybe <laughs> might get you hooked. Yeah. Uh, but man, where can people connect with you? They want to reach out, tell us about you know the podcast, different URLs, reach out a little sure. sales consulting. Cause they, you heard a little bit of that in here. Where can people connect? So my most active channel is LinkedIn. So you can, uh, you can find me there. Um, I'm posting content on a regular basis. Uh, both Talent Strategy 60 uh, and Cascading Leadership, that content can be found at cascadingleadership.com. So you'll have uh, snippets there. You can look at the Cascading Leadership handle on YouTube and and TikTok, and you can find us there. Um, But LinkedIn is the the primary channel. And then uh, you can always go to the website or on wherever your favorite podcast player is. Uh, We have geez, we have a cascading leadership podcast page on LinkedIn. We have talent strategy 60 page on LinkedIn. So I'm not difficult to find. And certainly you can find me, um, you know, uh, at, uh, at Circa as well. So I'm everywhere. Hell yeah. So we'll put all that stuff in the show notes so people can just click right on through and make it easy for you just to click, click, click. Um, man, this has been fantastic. Jim, I can't thank you enough. I literally... I love when I can learn and explore topics and I have run out of paper on both sides. I, I have learned so much today, the conversations about the framework, even about the, the intro cringes and, and the things that we struggle with and the themes and the pillars, all of it's fantastic. Thank you so much for your time today. Yeah. Thanks for having me. It was a lot of fun. Uh, great conversation. Uh, looking forward to uh, potentially getting you on the show or probably a panel on uh on uh, on something sales and marketing related, I think uh, I think LinkedIn Live is uh, is going to be calling your name. Hell yeah! I look forward to doing it. I'll even log in and do the chat too, just <laughs> in case we record it some other time. I will be there. Um, awesome. Uh, and for those listening, if you learned something, and I freaking know you did, because I literally I have to show it front and back, two pages of notes, uh, run out of space. It looks crazy. If you look at this paper, I look like a crazy person, but uh, I've learned so much. So if you have to share this with one other person, nine people, 3000, whatever, that's thought leadership, getting good information in other people's hands. Uh, Check out some sci-fi books while you're at it. Again, Jim, thanks so much for being on here. No problem, Casey. Have a good one. All right, everyone. This has been another crazy, cool, fun, exciting episode of creating the greatest show i will see you all next time and next time doesn't have to be next week life's too short and we have way too much to talk about find show notes full of takeaways lessons and links at creatingthegreatestshow.com for more information on launching your own podcast or working with us to produce your existing show come on down to the big tent at ringmaster.com until then friends whatever you do do it with all your might Work at it, if necessary, early and late, in season and out of season, not leaving a stone unturned and never deferring for a single hour. That which can be done just as well now. P.T. Barnum.